I Like Your Dress predominantly takes place in what is known as Metro Vancouver on the traditional occupied and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh nations and the Hunkamina-speaking people. In this place of work, we hope that within our creative space that we take time to acknowledge, teach, and ensure we are using our voice to speak truth to power. You're listening to I Like Your Dress, an educational comedy podcast all about trying new things. I'm Allie. And I'm Tori. Tune in the first Friday of every month for a new adventure. Our next guest started out his business with an idea, making good food and bringing people together. He started Duke Fried Chicken in Vancouver with his business partner, Brian Satterford, and it took the city by storm. With its massive success, he launched a second business, a tasty vegan option for comfort food called Beatbox. Please welcome our guest and good food expert, Justin Tisdell. How are you? Hey, it's going pretty well. How are you today? Good. Uh, I am. Good. I, I was a little confused about the weather today. I'm being I think, yeah, I think we all were. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm in North Van, so it always looks different every day. Hopefully we can make it brighter. Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. So tell us a bit about your businesses. Yeah. So I've got two businesses uh, with my business partner, Brian. Um, he and I have worked on and off together for about 15 years. Um, I had an idea for a concept of kind of high-end quality food served quickly, both in a dining room with a cocktail bar and a takeout side. So that was Juke. And then kind of everything we've tried to do since, we kind of make it around music loosely themed, just because that's why we created Juke. We wanted it to be like a Juke joint. Things come in their Juke boxes. And so is, we've created Beatbox, which is our vegan restaurant as well. So the company has the same ethos between both businesses, like being as eco, green, conscious, and eco-friendly as possible, locally sourced, sustainable. So we've kind of been doing that since the beginning. Awesome. And I actually recently tried uh, Beatbox and oh my gosh, you guys, you have to have the onion rings. It's amazing. Yes. It's so <laughs> Staff good. Favorite. I want to thank yeah. you for creating that. Oh my God, just that's all, Brian. <laughs> oh, Brian, chef's kiss. Mwah. Yeah, <laughs> so good. Yeah, you kind of mentioned a little bit beforehand your inspiration for kind of wanting to make a an environment where it was really inviting. Was that kind of your idea, kind of going in, or was it more of a sit down with Brian, talking back and forth about ideas that you guys wanted to do? No, I kind of had the idea ready to go about two and a half years before he even signed on. Obviously, it adjusts and change when you get great minds coming together. Mm. Uh, saying Brian's a great mind, not myself. But uh, <laughs> had the idea of, you know, in Vancouver, there's no, you can't go to a lounge and just listen to music. So, so you either true. go to a club or you go to a restaurant. Okay, well, why can't we make a restaurant that feels like a lounge Definitely. so you can enjoy great music and have fun? Uh, but my biggest concern was always, I'd always like say it, it was like, what do you do on a rainy Tuesday in February when like no one's going to walk in your door? How do yeah. you combat that? How do you fix that? So then we started strategizing takeout and how, you know, this is before any of the third party delivery companies existed. Um, we're like, how do we do this? How do we make sure we have the best product? That's not like pizza or sushi that everyone's used to. Yeah. And try to let people know like you can have great other food at home, like great comfort food at home. Definitely. So when we were building Juke, the whole idea was to make our houses comfortable for other people to come and enjoy it. So every night you want to come in, it's just a chance for you to enjoy your party. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted to get Juke in everybody's door, like everybody's home. That's awesome. I love that so much. And the food like, speaks so perfectly to that. It, it truly is just 
amazing rainy Tuesday evening comfort food. It is so perfect and everyone has to go. This is so when you kind of started with beatbox, what kind of was your idea with that? Did you know right away that you were going to kind of go for a more sustainable vegan option or? So sometimes you learn a lot from your mistakes and We'd opened what we called Little Juke, which was a smaller version of Juke uh, on Davie Street. And we realized a few months in, Brian was like, you know, there's a few other chicken competitors opening. And Brian's like, these other restaurants are killing us. And I kind of looked at the numbers and analyzed a bit. I was like, no, like, we're killing us. Like, we're too close together. Our two restaurants are too close doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of along parallel to that time, we'd already been talking about doing plant-based food truck but it was going to be really simple it was going to be like three salads and three handhelds every day and it was going to change every week so when we kind of realized our businesses were cannibalizing each other we we're like what do we do how do we save this like we don't want to close this restaurant what do we do so again like our lives were already taking us in that direction of eating a bit healthier being a little more conscious continuing along that kind of green initiative we started at juke so Brian was like, why don't we just expand on that food truck? Why don't we make it a full restaurant? And we're like, let's do it. We got nothing to lose. So awesome. being being just he and I kind of operating, we're pretty nimble in how we want to adjust, adjust and change. So yeah. we, we knew we'd run Little Juke for the summer. We'd shut down just after Labor Day and we'd shut down for 10 days. And in that 10 days, like I'd paint, rechange the whole place. Brian had already been practicing his menu for three or four months. And then I came up with the concept of doing, so at Juke, we were fortunate that we got on the train early of the third-party delivery guys. Yeah. So we had a little bit of sway with them. So instead of doing a pop-up restaurant, I was like, the best way to train our team is to do a pop-up delivery restaurant. So I got all of our delivery parties involved and they put us on the top of their banner for the first week. And without knowing it, people had no idea what Beatbox was. But being on the top banner of like your top three restaurants, people just chose it. And so it gave Mm -hmm. our chance a team to work on what we were doing while we were still closed, but really focus on what Beatbox was going to be. And and I think we're really proud of it. It's turned out really well. And it's great food. It's so good. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Justin. Today's episode of I Like Your Dress is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is an online platform with classes covering nearly every topic you can imagine, from internet marketing, graphic design, or even flower arranging. Staying at home can start to look a little dull. You might be feeling unmotivated, frustrated, and, well, a little bored. Skillshare is the ultimate home classroom that can help you start a new hobby or perhaps refine an old skill. The teachers are experienced, friendly, and offer such a wide range of topics. You can get started from the comfort of your own home. Sign up for your free trial at skillshare.eqcm.net slash ilyd. And if you love their service, you can get a two-month subscription for free. Now, back to the show. Kind of bouncing off to, we've been talking a lot about food. I want to kind of dig into what's your favorite recipe? What what kind of inspired this comfort food in you to go out with the world and supply it to all the Vancouverites up? Yeah, so I was a really finicky eater as a child. So my go-to was always kind of like the most 
simplest chicken strips and flavor, yeah. yeah, but flavorful comfort food. Yep. So at the time, I was running a place called Shambar as the GM, and Brian was the head sous chef of Hawksworth. And I was like, "Look, man, I'm gonna get out of my suit. You're gonna get out of your chef whites. We're gonna make food just as good, but we can yep. do it however we want." You know, Brian's the chef, and and he took that and ran with it. And uh, he, we, yeah, we've just been a great partnership since we started, and it's worked out really well. So. Brian is your business partner for both establishments. Yep. How did you guys meet? Like, what's? Yeah, we we met as young kids trying to make <laughs> our way in the industry. Um, our I think my first second restaurant gig and Brian's first was at Feeney's. But back in the day when like Feeney's and Lumiere were kind of like in their heyday, uh, so we were super young. I think I was maybe 19 and he was 18, or I was 20 and he was 19. Uh, and he was in the kitchen, I was in the front, and, you know, being young kids, every night at Feeney's, we were a really tight group, and we'd always go out after work and just have, yeah. like, eat and drink as almost like a family. So Brian quickly became an inner circle of my family. And then we worked on and off, you know, over the years, or always saw each other, and after I'd kind of come up with that business plan, uh, my wife was like, the only person that you're going to work with is Brian. So yeah. if it's not Brian, you're not doing it. So I pitched him and, you know, it's hard to pitch a really hard, like a five-star chef, like, hey, let's do fried chicken. Yeah. Uh, but he was in and I think he he accepted the challenge and kind of knew what, he could see what my vision was and he definitely added to it. And then along the way, we were fortunate enough, Brian was doing some openings for our friend Cord who owned Meat and Bread. Mm-hmm. And Cord's like, hey, I want to get in there a little bit. You mind if I become a small owner and we can just kind of all do this together? So the three of us were like, cool, like Shambar Hawksworth meat and bread. Like, this will be a fun mix. And oh, yeah. uh, we just kind of made it happen. Oh, that's awesome. And meat and bread is also like a really solid joint. I yeah, love their stuff yeah. there. So good. Yeah. Um, also kind of going back a little bit to like when you guys first met and kind of getting your foot in the uh, food industry. What yep. kind of inspired that? Did you know that you were always going to get into the food industry? Uh, no, necessity did. Um, yeah. So at that time, I was a competitive swimmer, uh, swimming really? for our national team. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so yeah. a whole other life ago. But at the time, this was before the 2010 Olympics were here because I'm old. Uh, <laughs> there wasn't there wasn't a ton of funding in Canada. So yeah. for me to be able to like live in Vancouver, go to university swim and kind of travel the world yep. whatever i was being paid like 500 bucks a month wasn't going to cut it um so i knew that yeah right so <laughs> um i knew that i had to find a job but i you know you're on the pool deck at 4:45 in the morning and you're in class all day and then you swim till seven at night so i can't get a day job even though working at night wasn't conducive to trying to be the best in the world, I took every challenge to be like the best at it. So I started bartending and kind of became one of the first cocktail bartenders in the city. And then that kind of started changing things. And so when I retired from swimming, I was like super passionate about that. Surprised to my parents because they're like, this kid never wants to eat anything. And now he's like <laughs> working at the best restaurants. Um, I really dove into that. I was like, I love trying new stuff and I love yeah. being a part of this, this life. So, and I know Brian was just he was in university and he's like, he'd always had a passion for food growing up in Souk and like going out and like mushroom picking and just like little farming and stuff. So Brian, I think always knew he was going to be a chef. Yeah. Uh, for me, I kind of fell backwards into the restaurant industry, but I really felt like that's where I belonged. Yeah. Uh, so it worked out. 
sounded like you were really inspired by a lot of the stuff that he was doing too behind the scenes. I think, you know, we were all just young kids, but yeah. we were all striving to be the best we could. So yeah. there's like five cocktail bartenders in the city and we'd all get together and talk about like the new bourbons we were tasting or the new cocktails we were reading about yeah. or you know, that was making us better. And then in the kitchen, Brian had like five young guys with him and they were all experimenting and trying new things. And then Brian and I both left Feeney's at the same time and went to Lumiere, which was at the time, one of the best restaurants in the world and ultra fine dining, like way yeah. above my head service. But I cha- I liked the challenge of that. And so you do your openings along the way. And my goal was anytime I make a move, I want it to be an improvement on where I am. Like, I don't yeah. want to make lateral movements. I want yeah. to learn more and work for better people that know more and can always teach me more. 100%. Uh, so every move I made was was calculated and like where I'm going to be next. That's so cool. That's so inspiring to hear. And I know like with myself, every time you get really fascinated in something. So for you, it was the food industry. And with me, it's kind of been with the podcast and with my own writing and such. You just want to keep on, okay, well, what's the next step? What can I keep on doing for myself to get me more educated, get me more out there and learn more about something that you're passionate in? And the, it's, yeah. it honestly, you the people that you meet through that and just the experiences you learn along the way, they, they change who you are. That's amazing. Do you still swim? Yeah. I, like I swim fun? to stay in shape. Yeah, I stay. Nice. I swim to stay in shape, and uh, I've got two young, young kids. Like they're basically around baby's age, but you Don't know, I try to, to get them in the water. Lectures. And yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. When my yeah. nephews are old enough, I'm sending them to you. <laughs> Bring so, them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, do you think that your food preferences have changed at all? Like, do you c- still consider yourself a picky oh, yeah. eater? Brian would consider me a very picky eater. Yeah. <laughs> I would say I, I've definitely broadened my horizons a lot. Um, there's still certain things, like, I just won't do. But if I go to dinner, at, like, an experience, I will yeah. try everything. Nice. Yeah. I, You know yeah. what? I completely relate to you, too. I mean, I just, for lunch today, I had chicken strips. Um, that is a staple, even when I, when I go out. Beautiful with, lunch. Yeah, right? Like, and it doesn't change. It really doesn't. You know what you're getting into every time. It's safe. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> you know, feels good. It's childhood. Yep. It's it's great. I, I love it. Um, I have a girlfriend of mine who's also kind of getting into the culinary arts, and um, I'm having her try to broaden my horizon a little bit. Smart, um, right? The, the idea is yeah. she just doesn't tell me what she's cooking. I show up, I get drunk, I eat. Yeah. Alcohol helps, for sure. Alcohol does help. It does. Yeah. So what are some of the favorite things that you cook in uh, your kitchen at home? Yeah, I love cooking. Um, I love cooking at home, especially, like, now with the kids, it's, like, a great time to just yeah. kind of, like, get them to taste new things and, like, just spend time with them. Um, so my wife's half Pakistani, and so I've loved taking on that challenge of kind of, like, learning Indian food. Her mom makes, like, these curries mm-hmm. that blow my mind that stuff I've never tasted before um so I love learning that stuff and then again whenever I do something I like to perfect it so if I'm making my own pasta sauces at home or my own stir fries whatever it is it can be simple but you can make it as complex as you want exactly Um, so I'm really enjoying especially during COVID I think I was cooking like six or seven nights a week at home so it just yeah it was just nice to see and to see like my eldest is almost two and he's trying things and it's nice to see him just try things 
That's awesome. D- yeah. Did you do a, a bread starter for uh, your quarantine? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I didn't because like like three weeks before quarantine happened, we had a baby. So I was like, I know oh, that this. Oh, thank you. Um, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to care for a baby and my bread. So yeah, bread's got to go. <laughs> way too stressful. <laughs> I yeah. don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so we've been talking about of. Um, the movements that you have had to kind of educate yourself into the food industry. Do you have any like favorite local Vancouver joints or um, places that you're really inspired from? Yeah, I think, again, I think that's always changing. Um, You know, the local place used to be when you were growing up in 941 on Davie street or Lolita's just because it was always the industry hangout. Like any night you'd go there, you'd see someone, you know, and you just have a good time. Um, so those are like really nostalgic for me, but then there's, I more like aspects of things. Like at Nam Pen, like I have to go and have the wings and like they're, they're luck luck. And then I might want to go to, you know, have a sit down dinner at St. Lawrence and really enjoy that. But I always go to Bao Bay. It it is right across the street from Juke. But before that, it was probably my favorite restaurant in Vancouver. Yeah. Oh, that's rad. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, So kind of getting into the current climate of Vancouver and the the business industry as well. And with, you know, quarantine and just kind of a lot of it's a, it's been a very important time in in the world going on. And I kind of wanted to touch base with that with you. Um, yeah. So being a black business owner, what challenges has this industry? You know, I I'm the type of person that usually doesn't let challenge get in my way. Um, yeah. But. That being said, like, doesn't mean there haven't been any. I think the biggest thing is the lack of us in the business. Like, when you look at chefs, there's a ton of mentors that chefs have that may, you might be able to identify with because most of them are Caucasian. Yeah. Um, You know, there's not a ton of Marcus Samuelsons out there that are, like, black chefs. There are some that are are great, and, like, Mm -hmm. I love supporting them and following them. Um, but you just don't have maybe people that understand what you've gone through and can help mentor you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for me, I try my best to take time out if anyone has questions for me about that, because, you know, I had people mentor me, which is great, but they didn't necessarily live the experience I'd lived. It's kind of interesting that you said that too, because it's so crazy to me that I, I remember looking into Daily Hive to um, they released a article of black owned businesses in the city. And it was so insane to me that kind of being a local myself, I had felt like we really weren't knowledge by the fact that there were people out there that have these businesses and there was no platform. Um, and it I don't know, it gave me a lot to think about when the whole Black Lives Matter movement was happening in our city and also around the world that this has just kind of been like, you know, carry on as usual. But we do need to support small businesses as well. That's kind of what I was going to say is, yeah. you know, I think it always starts with knowing your small business. They're exactly. like they're your neighbors, they're your friends, they're the people that literally support the economy. hundred um, Any. You know, anyone that I know that owns a black business, like especially me personally, I won't speak for all of them, but my mm-hmm. goal is to be known as a business. Like I want to be 100%. the best fried chicken business. Um, if I'm, you know, a, a biracial business owner, even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think it's like starts with small business, but the more awareness you have, it, it doesn't hurt. Right. I think there's a lot of people out there that I've been on. I've had a few other interviews regarding this topic and 
you know, it's a tough topic for people to speak out on. But I do believe the past few months, there's been a ton of support from black business or for black business uh, from the city, people speaking out. Uh, so, you know, I feel like there is a bit of a sea change happening. Yeah. Uh, it takes time, but you're also in a city like I'm born and raised in Toronto, but I've been in Vancouver for like 20 years. So Toronto, it's like you're not necessarily a visible minority there. But here, yeah. you know, we're like 1% of the population being black mm -hmm. people. So you might only have 1% of the businesses being black yeah. businesses. So to acknowledge those, I think, is great. But I think support the businesses that you love, but just support small business. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more with you. And kind of going into um, diving more into that and supporting small businesses, um, do you have any advice for listeners or other business owners who are thinking about getting out there? Like, what are your um, tips and tricks and advice to kind of get out there? And yeah, I'd always say do your research first. Yeah. Um, make make sure you know yourself well enough to know how you deal with stress, how you deal with challenge, how you deal with not sleeping, uh, like all of those things. <laughs> like, know yourself well enough to know, like, okay, I can handle this. Uh, do some research on if you want a brick and mortar, like what your location is to be. But I tell anyone who's trying to open something is know your concept better than anyone else does, right? Yeah. If you might not be, you might not be the first fried chicken restaurant out there, but you might have a different kind of fried chicken you want to do. You might want to yeah. do Korean fried chicken or Japanese fried chicken. Just do it the best that you can. Yeah. And if people know that it's not real, if you're not giving 100%. Or putting yeah. yourself into it. So, like, Juke is clearly an extension of Brian and I. Like, our personalities, our character, um, like, that room is us. So, yeah. and and so is Beatbox. You have different sides of your care, of your personality. Um, so, I think just make sure, like, you give yourself into it. Because if you don't, it comes off false and people may not want to gravitate to it. Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. I know... Um... I definitely can relate to a lot what you're saying. Although we are, I like your dress podcast is a very, we're very small. And so thank hey, you for coming on. But you got to start, you got to start <laughs> yeah, somewhere, right? You, gotta, you have to start somewhere and you do have to put a hundred and ten percent into that small little baby that whatever you're trying to Whatever it is, you want, yeah, whatever exactly. you want to grow, right? Like yeah, Juke had yeah. zero sales until we opened the doors. So yep. like, and fuck sleep. <laughs> yeah, right. That comes later. Yeah, hundred percent. So what's next for you, Justin? Huh. Um, what's next to me? Next literally is go home and put my kids to bed. But nice. uh, no, Brian and I always have a lot of concepts we're talking about. We definitely have ideas, you know, not to be opportunistic, but we know during COVID there's going to be some casualties in like the restaurant business, which is kind of sad yeah. to see. Um, so hopefully we can get out there if we're fortunate enough to open a third restaurant and really honor some of these places that were here before us. And mm -hmm. Who knows? We're always looking at things. We're always yeah. looking. Um, I kind of wanted to also touch base on, uh, so you've been really innovative with the whole idea of takeout, even kind of prior to quarantine and lockdown. You started Chickadee, which is kind of like the latest cocktail pop-up. Tell me more Yeah, about yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'll rewind it back. So in 2016, okay. when we were building, I was like, we need to do takeout. And this was before yeah. any third-party deliveries, but kind of serendipitously, as we were building out these the, you know, DoorDashes and Uber Eats came to town. So yeah. we got in on the ground floor with them. So that really helped us when, you know, four years later when COVID hits, because other people were trying to adapt to that model. And that was our model. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, but that meant we had to shut down our dining room. In our dining room, we have a big neon sign from a CBC TV show that a friend gave us, and it says yeah. Chickadee. Initially, when we were opening Juke, Chickadee was going to be the dining room, and Wingman was going to be the takeout area, and yeah. they were both going to be like comic book characters on our wax paper. Cool. So once, you know, four years later, this pandemic hits, you got to shut down your dining room. Uh, we're like, so what do we do? How do we adapt? How do we do something new that's fun for us? So we took that. We already had the bar there. Um, so we took that concept of chickadee and kind of fleshed it out a bit and made this 80s theme cocktail bar. And Hi. again, it's still our dining room. We still serve Juke's food. But it was just a chance to kind of have a bit more fun in a different way. And most restaurants, you can't do that because you build a restaurant and that's it. Like, it doesn't yeah. change. You know, we're lucky enough that we we had that ability to kind of change things a bit, make it a little more fun, and just kind of make it ours again. Like, love your restaurant all over again. Yeah, that is so yeah. amazing. And I, I know so many people appreciated you guys doing that, especially because we need alcohol in this quarantine. Um, <laughs> Well, we wanted, that was the goal was like, yeah. we knew when people were going to dine out that they'd be already a little trepidatious, a little afraid, yeah. hesitant. So we're like, how can we just make this fun? So instead of plexiglass, yeah. we made like really old doors and painted them all neon and like did what we could to just make the room a little lighter. Well done. Great innovation. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so Justin, we are wrapping up. You can follow Justin and Brian businesses on IG at Beatbot Veg and Duke Fried Chicken. They also deliver, as we were talking about before. You can order from these amazing restaurants from DoorDash and anywhere you can order online. It's available. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at I Like Your Dress Podcast and I L Y D Podcast. Want to collaborate or be featured on our show? For more information, check out our website at ilikeyourdress.ca. This podcast is produced, written, and edited by Allison Shields and Victoria Fraser. Production manager and PR by Cameron Napier. See you next time. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.